Monument in Chicago, Illinois, with your host, Dr. Lynn Hughes. We welcome you to Live from the Pullman National Monument, our global cast magazine format talk radio show, where we discuss all things cultural economic development, i.e. tourism. And we hold informative conversations on the arts, music, business, and people. I'm your host, Dr. Lynn Hughes, founder of the National A. Philip Randolph Pullman Porting Museum, a National Park Service site in Chicago, Illinois. Good day to you, my listening audience, and we thank you for joining us. Stay with us. Today's show is partially underwritten by United Auto Workers, Local 551, and Hughes-Peterson Publishing, Chicago, Illinois. In the tradition that we are establishing, let's talk about the Pullman National Monument. We have established this component of the show because the Pullman National Monument is still very new. And we are still in the process of branding and identifying ourselves. For us, that's very important because if we don't brand and identify ourselves, others will do so. And that's always a problem. Case in point, people in general and certain media outlets included still write about and refer to the Pullman National Monument as one building in Pullman. And that is the clock tower as the Pullman National Monument, and that is inaccurate. Unintentionally or not, doing so is divisive. According to the United States Department of Interior, and according to the proclamation established by President Barack Obama on February the 19th, 2015, the historic Pullman District in Chicago, Illinois, is the Pullman National Monument. Unlike other national monuments, the Pullman National Monument is not just one building. It is a thematic district. Within that district, there are several tourist sites, lots of great things to see. And so that is important for people to understand that. As a, as a matter of fact, People in the area still, because of what they read, don't understand that the Pullman National Monument is a thematic district and not just one building. We have in the Pullman Messenger a map that would be great for people to get and see for yourselves. It identifies, I think there are seven sites within the monument. Uh, that will better help you understand and interpret the Pullman National Monument. 
So the little commercial, go to PullmanMessenger.com and you can purchase an annual subscription for $12 included in that magazine is a map of the Pullman National Monument. And there you will see all of the wonderful sites that are there for people to visit when they come. And we are the Pullman National Monument, a part of the National Park District's uh, site. We are what is known as a partner site. The National Park Service owns a building in the park, in the Pullman National Monument. They are perceived as the authority in the Pullman National Monument under the National Park Service. But there are partner sites uh, in the National Monument. Uh, there, of course, is the National A. Philip Randolph Pullman Porter Museum. There is the uh, Hotel Florence. There is the Pullman Clock Tower building. They're still vacillating on what that's going to be called. Some people refer to it as a museum, but it is not. It is more, I think, ultimately, it will be more of an archive, a repository for different things, but it is not a museum. Then there's the Greenstone Church. There are uh, other places. There is the Pullman Visitor Center. That's the gist of the sites where people can go. But, of course, the entire district is the housing stock of the original town of Pullman. And we have wonderful house tours that we offer, uh, walking house tours that exist in the Pullman National Monument. So I hope that that helps to, to define, if you will, the Pullman National Monument in a way that will be helpful to people who come from all over the world to visit the Pullman National Monument. And they mistakenly, because they have had inaccurate information given to them, think that the Pullman National Monument is one building and that is the clock tower, and that is inaccurate. So without further ado, we will uh, take a quick break and come back with our first guest. Port Hughes-Peterson Publishing by visiting thepullmanmessenger.com and purchase an annual subscription. It's just $12 a year. Or purchase an anthology of respect by Dr. Lynn Hughes. Available on Amazon.com. Today's guest, Kathy Snyder, Superintendent for the National Park Service, Pullman National Monument District. Join me in welcoming our first guest today, Kathy Snyder, newly appointed Park Superintendent for the Pullman National Monument District in Chicago, Illinois. Superintendent Snyder, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dr. Hughes. Good afternoon to you and the listeners. Um, thanks for inviting me today. I just want to tell you how much I appreciate this opportunity to introduce myself, talk a little bit about my agency, the National Park Service, and talk about our role here at Pullman National Monument. 
you know, just a little bit about myself. I was honored and humbled to be named the first permanent superintendent of Pullman National Monument on October 30th, just three short weeks ago. So I am very new to the to the monument. I'm a 13-year veteran of the National Park Service, having spent most of that time in the world of design and construction, but also have spent a lot of time creating and building successful partnerships within the National Park Service. I was born and raised in rural South Dakota. Um, got my degree in civil engineering and uh, moved to Omaha, Nebraska. Married and raised my two sons there. I worked in a variety of jobs during that time, including other federal service. I was in private consulting and also worked for a time as the director of development for a K-8 parochial school. 2011, I was given the opportunity to relocate to St. Louis, Missouri to manage what was at that time NPS's larger partnership construction project. I served as the project manager for the $200 million CDR River Partnership Project at the Gateway Arch. Uh, The goal of this public-private partnership was to make the arch easier and safer for everyone to experience, you know, by connecting and invigorating and expanding it, the grounds and museum. It was a really complex project that involved the coordination and cooperation of a large number of public and private stakeholders and partners. Uh, Currently, it's nearing its successful completion. Um, I'm now in the process of relocating from there. I actually live in Alton, Illinois, and I'm relocating to Chicago, which will become my my permanent residence. A little bit about the National Park Service. Um, As you know, it's an agency of the United States federal government and that manages all the U.S. national parks, many national monuments, and other conservation and historical properties with various title designations. The NPS itself was created on August 25, 1916, by Congress through the National Park Service Organic Act, and it's an agency of the United States Department of Interior. You know, the NPS is charged with a dual role of preserving the ecological and historical integrity of the places entrusted to our management, while also making them available and accessible for public use and enjoyment. On August 25th of this year, we celebrated our centennial birthday. Um, It was a monumental event. The National Park Service currently oversees 413 units. This gets a bit confusing, I know, to people as we use over 20 different titles for the park units we manage, including (laughs) national parks, which I think you're all aware of, and national monuments like (laughs) Pullman. A few of the other titles we use include national battlefields, memorials, lakeshores, recreation areas, rivers, seashores, and many more. Um, So anytime you see national and an arrowhead, it's usually one of our units, even if it doesn't say, you know, park or monument. Um, the other closest uh, park service site to Chicago is the Indiana International Lakeshore, um, which includes 15 miles of the southern shore of Lake Michigan. And in Illinois, we also have Lincoln Home National Historic Site in Springfield, which preserves the home in the historic district where Abraham Lincoln lived from 1844 to 1861, um, before he became the 16th president of the United States. So we have some other sites close by Pullman that I encourage our listeners to visit also. The Park Service currently has about 20,000 employees to manage, maintain, and protect the parks, and we also provide technical assistance uh, on other programs. We have an additional 221,000 volunteers in parks, and they contribute about 6.4 million hours annually. It takes a lot to keep the National Park Service and our units going. Um, The National Park Service system receives over 280 million visits each year uh, throughout our 413 years. This leads us to our relatively recent presence and role at Pullman. 
Um, as we all know, industrialist George Pullman built the model town of Pullman in the 1880s to house workers at his luxury rail car factories. Pullman factory, workers' housing, and community buildings that make up the Pullman historic districts are different of the American industries, the lasting strength of urban design, and the remarkable journey of the quarters towards the civil rights movement of the 20th century. It is truly a remarkable place. The community, this neighborhood, this irreplaceable piece of American history is here today only because of the dedication and efforts of the local citizens. A proposal in 1860 to demolish the community in favor of industrial park galvanized residents to form the Pullman Civic Organization to support its preservation, and they were successful in blocking the demolition. The Pullman Historic District was later designated a National Historic Landmark on December 30th of 1970, establishing its national significance once and for all. I understand the southern portion of the district was recognized as a Chicago Landmark in 1972 and the northern portion in 1993. The state of Illinois purchased the Hotel Florence and the administration and factory complex in 1991 and incorporated it into a state historic site. So you can see we've got numerous overlaying designations and protections on this property, on this community, as Dr. Hughes talked about. It's not just the factory clock complex. It's not just the clock tower building. It is the entire neighborhood. You know, and then as a result of the passion and dedication of the local community, President Barack Obama designated Pullman as a national monument on February 19, 2015. And thus it became a component of the national park system and the first unit of the National Park System in Chicago. It's a great honor. The designation is a huge job for you. (laughs) (laughs) It is a huge job for me, but you know, one I'm so looking forward to. Um, You know, the president made the designation under the Antiquities Act of 1906, and that authorizes the president to proclaim national monuments and federal lands that contain historic landmarks. Um, The monument boundary that Dr. Hughes talked about, stressed, includes approximately 200 acres of the community. You know, that includes the the other museums, it includes the Greenstone Church and and all of those homes that are in that area. That is the national boundary. I do have to point out one technicality, though, the federal ownership at this time is limited just to the historic clock tower admin building. And I think that's where some of the confusion comes in. But just because that's all we own doesn't mean that the boundary of the boundary is quite bigger. Our intent is to develop the 10,000-square-foot first floor of the Clock Tower building into the park's visitor center. It's going to include interpretive exhibits and administrative facilities. You know, we've got planning and fundraising are well underway towards that end, and we hope to begin construction as soon as next year on the visitor center. You know, well, I want to go back to the... That's a- Quite Pardon? a bit of information, and, and I think uh, very welcome because it helps to clarify some of the confusion around what's there, who's doing what, that kind of thing. And so we have been very anxious to have someone like you to come on and sort of mm, do what you just did, explain to the listening audience What's really there? What's going on? Who's doing what? Uh, be, and, and provide the kind of information that goes beyond what I know. And we've tried very hard to try to interpret or try to provide information for people. But it's nothing like hearing from the, the actual source. 
And so I want to thank you for that. I didn't mean to interrupt your flow there, so I'll just back out of the door. But I just wanted to say that. You know, we'll be working with the state of Illinois, actually still owns the 12-acre factory site that surrounds the clock tower building, and they own the Hotel Florence, of course. Um, we'll be working with the state of Illinois, and then, of course, in partnership with all of our other partners and stakeholders uh, to develop the factory site and the clock tower building into the visitor center. And I wanted to stress, you know, as President Obama stated in his proclamation, the Pullman Historic District tells rich, layered stories of American opportunity and discrimination, industrial engineering, corporate power, and factory workers, new immigrants to this country, and formerly enslaved people and their descendants, strikes, and collective bargaining. That's word for word from the presidential proclamation. And those are the stories that we hope to tell along with our partners in in the Pullman story. Um, and as Dr. Hughes mentioned earlier, the proclamation also provides for the Park Service to develop partnerships with other related resources, programs, and organizations within our boundary. We plan to develop partnerships with existing organizations, and including, of course, the National A. Philip Randall Pullman Porter Museum, you know, the Historic Pullman Foundation, the Illinois Historic Preservation Agency, and others that are already telling all of these incredible stories so well. We hope to work together to complement each other's mission with the goal of providing exceptional visitor services, interpretation and education, establishment and care of museum collections, and the preservation of historic objects. You know, just to kind of close, my initial priorities here are twofold. My goals include the rehabilitation and opening of the historic clock tower building to the community and public as the official NPS visitor center, but also to develop the relationships and partnerships with all of these other organizations within the monument boundaries to support and complement each other's efforts. Um, a really cool thing happened to me last week. David Schultz, the new Illinois State Historic Site Manager, and I were honored at a community reception. You know, it just left me in total awe of the passion and support for this community and the monument. I met with a number of members of the community, um, but have many, many more to go. Working together, as President Obama envisioned in his proclamation, my goal is to make Pullman National Monument a world-renowned cultural and historic destination. Since we're such a new park, I have to admit our current resources are limited. You know, in fact, with my arrival at the monument, we've now doubled our staff. However, we're committed to providing the best service possible, and we will anticipate growing our presence over the, the coming years. Um, another thing I wanted to point out, Dr. Hughes, is that we'll also be opportunities coming up in the near future to talk to the public about plans for the factory site. Um, we look forward to hearing your ideas at those. Keep an eye out. Announcements will be coming out about these opportunities real soon. Well, thank Again, you for for the, you know, the the inclusion and that is very important I, and i think it will go a long way in the development of the pullman national monument to, to to the word is inclusion because when everyone feels like they have a vested interest it makes everyone shoulder to the wheel uh, produce the kind of results that we're all looking for and i just can't thank you enough for taking the time on Sunday to to come uh, and be a part of today's show in order to provide the kind of information and detail that you have 
and we can't thank you enough. And we, we, I know that you just got there and we just sort of snapped you up really quickly, (laughs) but, but, but Pullman is, has a very complex, multi-layered history and, and work has been going on there for decades in the progress and the plans that are underway. And so we look forward to your coming back and sharing with us the progress and the plans that are in motion and all of the activities that are being planned and, 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 and in your report, if you will, to be able to share with the listening audience, you know, the, the conscious effort um, that are being made to make everyone feel a part and allow everyone to be participants in those plans because that is the only way it will be successful. And we are grateful and honored uh, to have you as our guest today and to your comments today also go a long way in sharing with the listening audience your intent and the sincerity of that intent. And so um, we are truly grateful uh, for that and and for your taking the time out. And we know you're trying to relocate and we just interrupted that (laughs) flow for you to come uh, and join our show today. But we can't thank you enough. We can't thank you enough. Well, I couldn't think of a better way to take a break on a Sunday afternoon. And Dr. Hughes, again, thank you so much. I think inclusion is a, is a very good word to use. I mean, there would not be the Pullman story without the inclusion of, of those people and those stories that made it such. And and they all have a right to be told. And together, I hope we can figure out how to do that best for the public. Well, we look forward to Working with you, that's the National A. Philip Randolph Pullman Porter Museum. We're anxious and willing and have a strong desire to work with you, the National Park Service, to to make sure that we have the best site that we can. Because at the end of the day, it's about enhancing the visitor experience. And so we want all of those tourists, which is what this show is all about, who Mm -hmm. come to Illinois, come to the Pullman National Monument to leave thinking, wow, what a great visit. That's what we want to hear because that means we're all successful. Each individual stakeholder and entity or tourist site within the within the monument. That is the way that we will all be successful, in my opinion. We all want and we all wanted to tell our families and friends and get on social media and and talk about their great experiences at the monument. Yes, yes. Well, Superintendent Kathy Snyder, everybody, the new superintendent for the Pullman National Monument under the National Park Service. Thank you so much, and we look forward to your return visit. Let's go to break and come back with our next guest. Today's show is partially underwritten by Choose Chicago the premier tourism marketing agency in Chicago, Illinois. Coming up, State Representative LaShawn K. Ford, Vice Chair of the Illinois Tourism and Hospitality Committee. And we're back. 
Welcome back to our final segment of today. We have with us on Live Line State Representative LaShawn K. Ford, who is the Vice Chair of the Illinois Committee on Tourism and Hospitality. Representative Ford, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Hughes, and giving me a little time to talk with you and your listeners. Well, we are, this show, as you know, it's our focus is 100% on tourism, every angle. And we were just anticipating and looking forward to having you on as our guest to talk to us a little bit about who you are and what you do as it relates to tourism. So probably the best place to start is for you to introduce yourself and tell us how you are related to the committee and how long you've been there. That would be a good start. Okay. So I'm, I am the vice chair of the um, Tourism and Hospitality Committee, and I've been that since the beginning of this year for the 100 uh, GA um, General Assembly. And um, I, I just think it's one of the best committees that we could have because it talks about generating revenue for the state and bringing people into the state and people within the state to travel um, within the state to spend money and to um, visit places like the E. Philip Randolph uh, Museum uh, and other places. I think tourism is a money-generating type of um, entity. It's so much of a money-generating entity that it has a line item in the state's budget. Well, that's interesting to know. Can you, can you tell us or explain to us a little bit about, um, that was a great segue, by the way, <laughs> tell us a little bit about how the tourism funding works in this state, and I would I would venture to say that it probably is very similar in its characteristics across the nation. But but if you could explain to our listening audience, in particular, here in the state of Illinois, how the tourism funding works, how how's that money derived, and how is it disseminated or divided up, if you will? Yes. So what the state believes. The state believes that if we provide revenue to the tourism industry, then they will drive people from outside the state to come to Illinois to stay at our hotels, to visit our museums, to um, spend money in the state. So that's what the state's uh, tourism committee is, um, how it gets funded. Um, so they, they do everything and they receive grants so that they can um, share those grants with different entities throughout the state. Um, and and I, I have a few um, tourism grant programs and phone numbers to give because you've been so diligent in, in making sure that I was prepared for today. I, I have some numbers. Well, that is great to know. Absolutely. That is good to know. And uh, the reason I say that is because when I say this show has a focus on 100% on tourism, every aspect of it, 
I like to have people on to have discussions about tourism as relates to, I always say, people on the ground. Because when normally when people think of tourism, they always think of it as a general rule. They think of it with the broad painted brush. And so in this instance, you know, on a national scale, they're thinking about Disney World or the Bahamas or Jamaica or France or, you know, all of those things, all of those places. And those are, in fact, all under the broader umbrella of tourism. But I like to point out the nitty gritty, if you will, to people Because in this state of affairs that we are in, where, you know, jobs are not perhaps as plentiful as they could or should be, I see opportunities in the under the broader umbrella of tourism for for John Q. Public or Joe Schmoll next door. Because when people don't think about, let's say for the sake of this discussion, somebody who makes T-shirts. And so they could, it doesn't take a lot of startup capital for a guy who maybe has no, has had no job and maybe he has had some issues and uh, shall we say his, what he looks like on paper is not desirable to certain companies. That then has a direct impact on how he makes his living. But 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 an avenue that is overlooked could be he's a small businessman. He could operate a tour, a, a, a small niche tourism uh, venture where he would sell T-shirts, just T-shirts or, or novelty things to tourists. He just simply has to have that first first shipment and a place where he can do that. And so I'm always interested in conversations that provide that kind of uh, opportunity. And so if you have information that you could share um, that maybe points people to some a door that might be a possibility for that person, that would be fantastic. You, you know, you're absolutely right. Small businesses could um, pretty much um, generate and create businesses for themselves by because what the tourism wants more than anything, the hotel industries, restaurants, and different museums, what they really want is someone to get people to shop, to visit, and to stay at their places. So if you are a good marketing genius and you walk into a, a store or hotel, any type of industry that sells goods or provides services and you want to provide your marketing um, expertise, that's an opportunity for a small business to grow Um, because the tourism committee and the tourism in the state as an entity is just supporting different organizations. So they come together sort of like the um, small, like the um, Chamber of Commerce for Businesses. So the Chamber of Commerce for businesses acts just like the tourism committee. The goal is to get people to spend money to support businesses and in the state of Illinois and to bring people from different states, surrounding states, into um, Illinois so that we could collect more revenue and not have to continue to raise taxes on on um, 
on our goods and services or on incomes. So the stronger our market is um, with tourism, the more revenue we bring into the state. That's why you see commercials for people uh, for states like Wisconsin, Missouri, and different places. That's what the tourism committee do. They put those commercials together to try to get people to come to their state to spend money and to stay at their hotels and visit their museums. And we do those commercials also in Illinois because we have sites and locations that people should visit as well. Well, I I would like certainly like to know more about the possibility there because I, I think that Illinois in particular and Chicago specifically has a multitude of neighborhood tourism opportunities that don't necessarily get the kind of marketing assistance because the marketing dollars are not received or maybe folks don't know about them. I know we don't uh, have the opportunity to access those marketing dollars because we we have people who come to our, our we call ourselves a niche museum. The A-Phil, National A. Philip Randolph Pullman Porting Museum has a huge presence on the internet. But what we lack is marketing dollars to bring people to us that we would like to, to reach. But somehow people are finding us anyway. And the case in point is we have tour buses who come to the museum. And they're almost always people from another country who come to the museum who have a strong interest in civil rights and black labor history. Well, that's our niche. But the point I'm making is, what if we had access to marketing dollars to let people like that know where we are, and they don't, they're not just stumbling upon us? And and so I'm yes. You're right. You know, you're right. You have to be connected with the tourism industry, and they have to put your uh, destination on the chart. For instance, as legislators, we get a pass to the museums, to the zoos. It's called the educational pass. And libraries get them where people could come into the library and they could check out a pass to go to the museums. So I wonder if the Philip Randolph Museum has that, is, is a part of that organization or that group Wait. where... No, we are not. Yes, we we are not. I'm going to do everything I can to connect us with that. Because I I think, based on what you're saying, that is the kind of thing that works. Because when you say that you're a field museum, a museum of science and industry, or the, you know, the uh, Art Institute, all of those places, the Adler Planetarium, all of those places have a strong financial foundation, or even the DeSabo Museum. They have a line item in the budget, but the smaller museums and small, smaller cultural sites like us, we are not included or incorporated in those line items. And so when the distribution of the resources that, that, that would enable a, a site to have free admission come up, we are not part of that. And so without that addition, that, what do you call, line item support, 
or that subsidy, if you will, we could not afford to let hundreds of people come through our doors free. And so that is what I mean when I say the neighborhood tourism entities are not supported through those tourism dollars, which is why I was interested in having you share what information you can and even point of fact to make you aware of this kind of scenario that you probably didn't even know. Mm-hmm. Well, there are tourism marketing uh, partnership program grants, and um, that's definitely what we want to get you involved in. The Illinois Office of Tourism Administrators and Monitors have five local tourism funding programs. The goal of each of the programs is to generate and increase hotel and motel occupancy and travels throughout the state of Illinois. That's so being connected with the tourism industry, it gives you the connection to drive people to your place. That's their job. So when they um, came to Springfield, when they come to Springfield and advocate for tourism dollars, they're not advocating just for one specific. They're advocating for Illinois as a whole to say this is a place where people should visit. And so we need to make sure that they're able to have the E. Phil Randolph and other. Uh, I'm sure that the Sabo Museum is probably on that list, but uh, I don't no understand question. why. <laughs> right. Because they're, you know, they're on I, government I, owned land. Right. And that's okay. the difference. That's the difference. They have what you, what is called public museum status. And so if you are a cultural institution that is located on land owned by uh, the, the government, city, state, or federal government, that entitles you to a portion or percentage of that line item that is in place. Most people are not aware of that. And so when they see a cultural institution, they just assume that you know about or participate in that financial resources, and that is not the case. Right. So so I'm glad I was able to shed some light on that for you, because you, maybe being on the committee, you might be able to advocate or bring to their attention uh, the lack of attention that neighborhood tourism is uh, uh, getting. Or yes. not getting. <laughs> yes. And that would be great. I look, I look forward to working to get um, now. I talked to the director over at your, at the April Randolph um, Museum. Is there something, have you been a, are you a state museum? We have been trying for several years to get public museum status. That was what I just mentioned. And for whatever reason, that that's, seems to be difficulty. However, now that the federal government has designated the entire area of which we are a part, uh, that ought to be looked at differently. So it would be interesting to see if, in fact, it is. Tell me what's been, what's been a holdup with um, getting the um, public status. Well, I, I, what I'd like to do is send you the statute that's on the books, and you can read it right from the state of Illinois, and you will see. And um, we can have a conversation 
we'd love to have a conversation with you offline so that perhaps you can assist us in moving yes. to that next level. Yes. It's a, it was a, it's a great institution, and I saw you at the eighth element. I know that's not why we <laughs> were calling, but I, I got to tell you, I was there on Mandela's birthday, and on um, the 18th, July 18th, and you guys had a group of young people there also that was a part of learning about A. Philip Randolph and the Pullman Porter. So that was great. Well, what, one of the things that we, yes, one of the things that we try to do, and, and I think I would venture to say that most African-American cultural institutions, we, we try to be that secondary educational resource because for whatever reason, that history is not taught in the schools. And so we have to supplement, if you will, that knowledge to the young people. And so it takes work to get the younger demographic to be interested. We ha it has to be presented in a way that they're interested in in knowing about it. And so, you know, you through our Museum 44 uh, uh, program, it's called Museum 44, where hip-hop meets history, the young people are gravitating toward learning more about history and civil rights and human rights through that particular vehicle. And th that is just an example of the kind of thing that uh, I'm, I'm talking about. But, but I'm happy to hear that you're interested. Um, and I'm also happy that you're on because, you know, we have the, our listening audience is not just Chicago, it's national and international. And so we want people to know with all of the negative stigma that Chicago has and people, we want people, tourists to know that it is safe to come to Chicago. You know, the media always puts emphasis on everything terrible, but at, life still goes on, business still goes on, tourism still goes on, and we still have people who come from London and Asia and Greece and Spain, Switzerland, all of those places, all those people come to our little museum. And so they, they're they not just coming specifically for to visit the Pullman National Monument, but those are tourists who are coming. And, you know, they always want to know about the hotels. We get com in communication from people online who want to know what's the nearest hotel uh, or what's the nearest restaurant. So that is all connected. To tourism, and so that's exactly and that's right. you have to be a partner, and they have to partner with you, and because you do have a reach, and people do reach out to you for a Chicago connection. Well, you drop. I'm, I'm, well, we, I, I'm, I'm, I'm making myself a committee of one speaking on behalf of other cultural institutions, neighborhood cultural institutions. We need that kind of advocacy and or direction so that we'll know what door we should be knocking on. When uh -huh. you say, when you, when you're explaining to us about the tourism money pot, for the lack of a better a lack of a better expression. Can you explain a little bit about who 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 is affected? How are the general? How is the general citizenry affected by tourism funding 
is that money distributed? How is it is it distributed or impacted to 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 assist uh, the property so, owners? So, yes, for you 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 should be assisted as an entity where the tourism industry supports you. They support you because they drive you um, clientele. Mm-hmm. Well, perhaps we can uh, knock on a couple of doors if you have some numbers. Yeah, so they support, they support you. you. You know what I mean? It's not so much that um, it, the tourism committee is supposed to drive your business, your museum um, visits up. That's the job of the tourism committee. So they spend money. Your tax dollars are spent, and they're supposed to drive people to your place because it's tax dollars. And okay. so they get tax dollars, and they're supposed you're supposed to be in their network, and they're supposed to tell people that you should visit these places. So we have to get you on there. Um, Ken Bennett is one Chicago. You got to have a meeting with him. You know Ken Bennett. I know. Yes, I know him. But we. Yes, he he is. Uh, he's he's working with One Chicago, and that's part of tourism. And uh-huh. so get a hold of him. Yes. And they've got oh. money in order to promote tourism in the state. Oh, that's interesting. Well, that's good to know as well. That's good to and, you know. Well. Another person, once you talk to him, you know, it would be great if you get uh, Chance the Rapper to come. He's from Chicago. I think he would love to come out and learn more and promote the uh, the A. Randolph Museum. It makes sense. Well, so is, is Ken Bennett, is he a part of uh, the Tourism Committee or is he impacted by the Tourism Committee? He's impacted by his. They get the funding to um, promote Illinois. That's what it's all about. They get funding to promote Illinois. Mm-hmm. They get the money to promote Illinois. And your your argument is, these are our tax dollars. Are you promoting our entity? That's okay. the argument that you have. Are you guys promoting us? We want you to promote us as well. And that's going to be your argument. You know what I mean? I do. I do. Yeah. Well, this is very good information. The other part that I was thinking, when you talked about the young people, you talked about the young people, they don't, young people really don't care about going to the Museum of Arts and Industry so much, the Field Museum, but schools take the students there. They take them. There should be, without a doubt, trips. Every school, we should be connected to the CPS, especially the CPS, and any close, any any institution, school that's close to uh, the Philip Randolph Museum, and they should be having field trips there all the time. 
and you know, and of course they don't come for free because students pay for field trips. But there has to be an outreach to the uh, district 299 and any and every school district to make the Philip Randolph uh, Museum a destination for field trips. They have to. It has to be on their list. Well, this is all great information, and I'm, I'm hoping that other people who are listening uh, are also taking notes, as I am taking notes. Because, the, again, these are the kind, this is the kind of information that can assist uh, neighborhood tourism entities, because we're not the Art Institute or the Adler Planetarium or the Museum of Science and Industry, all of those huge entities that are 100 years old or, 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 or thereabouts. But nonetheless, we contribute heavily to yeah. the, the tourism, the contributions or the menu for tourists who come to the city of Chicago. Uh, and, and I would say that the same scenario exists nationwide. Whether it's Detroit, or, you know, Atlanta, wherever, there's always the, I, I, maybe the correct word is the ethnic uh, museum or ethnic cultural institutions that people want to know about. They want to know about them. And somehow tourists, as I said before, somehow tourists find you in the respective places but that is, but that does not mean they have been provided the assistance and/or direction necessarily to find you. Yeah. And I say I say that because you know we have guests. We have a, a segment of this show is called "Around the Museum Table," and we have guests on from different parts of the country who are representatives of museums and the story or the feedback that we have from each of them is, is consistent. The similar kind of conversation that we are having now, and there's always discussion about the lack of support from the tourism industry, but people don't, to, museums are part of the tourism industry. People come travel around the world. They always want to go to a museum. They're, they always want to go Look. to an art gallery, they, you know, and it so... They, those things are part of the menu, and so they ought to be supported. Right. They don't. If you don't know about it, you can't. <laughs> you can't go to it, and and you don't. And let me tell you, you know, all just think about the hotels that's out here. You don't see every hotel in Illinois doing advertisement because they don't have to, and that's one of the things that we have to make sure our communities have access to this tourism committee so they could drive people to our neighborhoods. But we also have to have something for them to come to. In, in your area over in Pullman, Pullman is growing by leaps and bounds now. It must become an area where, like uh, what you have, you have Humble Park, Wicker Park. All of these places are added to the tourism um, guide where people should come to visit. Now, our goal is a must to get the Philip Randolph as a place to visit. 
Well, any and all assistance that you could provide direction, uh, pointing us to the different people that we could or should be talking to, to learn more about the resources that are available for marketing, for getting inserted in those guides, and for any subsidies that are available that would allow us to participate in, in, for example, the educational paths that you spoke about. Because if 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 we if we have for the sake of this discussion, if that is some a subsidy that will underwrite it, that uh, program, then you have kids who who are holders or and or parents who are holders uh-huh. of that path. They can then come to the museum and we don't have to be concerned about charging admission. And that is how you also grow your your attendance numbers. And so if you, you know, there's different little angles. And so we, we, we just need to know about those things. Uh, I've seen something about a past, but, but I just, I just know that that is something that is not free, if you will. When you right, give a person right. a pass, the, 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 the client will come, but, you know, it has to be an incentive for them. So there must be something, some kind of way it's connected to a program of some mm-hmm. kind that will enable them to be able to come admission free. Right. But it not only helps the institution, it helps the, 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 the visitor because they, their knowledge base is, is enhanced. Mm-hmm. Uh, it helps the institution, it helps the community, and and more importantly, it helps the broader tourism arena. That's my mm-hmm. opinion. Yes. Well, and and you know one of the one of the disadvantages right now, as it stands, is that the state, the government, must do more. And like I said earlier, I think Pullman is on its way to for development, but we have to do more um, because no entity is an island of its own. And so if there were other things that the city, the state, and, and, and business people could invest around the Philip Randolph, that drives people to your place as well. Absolutely. You know, even even um, the museums on the lakefront, the draw for those sometimes for some people is the lakefront. Absolutely, you know, people see the beach, people see uh, Lake Michigan, they say, "Wow!" And so they come to the Lake Michigan, and then they say, "What's those buildings over there?" And then they learn that those are museums, and now they want to go into it. So we we have to do more to support our um, entities in the state. Well, I, so I, I thank you for... I'm sorry. I say I look forward to working with you. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And we are so appreciative of your taking the time out of your Sunday to spend with us because we know that there are other things that you could have done with your time and, and, and you're a busy man and I'm sure relaxing is probably something that's needed, but you gave up part of your Sunday to be with us and share this valuable information. And for that, we thank you. So, um, we thank hope you, that you, come in. That you, you are so welcome. You are so welcome. And we'd like to have you back again sometime. 
All right. I appreciate you very much, and we all appreciate you in Illinois. All right. Thank you. So, everybody, thank you. And join me in, in thanking State Representative LaShawn K. Ford, Vice Chair of the Committee on Tourism and Hospitality in the state of Illinois. And we're going to take a quick break and come back to wrap up our show. Thank you again, Representative Ford. Everybody, thank you for sharing with us another informative show on the ever-expanding topic of tourism. Thank you to the listening audience for spending part of your Sunday with us. And a very special thank you to the Pullman Messenger Magazine, United Auto Workers Local 551, and Chew Chicago. Thank you to our fantastic engineer, Mr. Don Newsom. Smooth jazz artist Jonathan Fritzen for allowing us to use his music on our show every week. And last but not least, you, the listening audience, because without you, there would be no show. And we'll see you next time on Live from the Pullman National Monument. Live from Pullman National Monument was brought to you by Hughes-Peterson Publishing in Chicago, Illinois. Hosted by Dr. Lynn Hughes.